I love action movies. Some old but good ones, like Star Wars, 2001, A Space Odyssey, and one of my favorites, Blade Runner, made brilliant use of miniatures. Nowadays, although many use CGI to achieve the same effect, in some cases, it's not a good substitute. Why? Well, I don't know. But in this episode, number 2217, Bill and Sean Johnston, the CG bros, will be telling us, when they answer the commonly asked question, why use miniatures instead of CGI, on the CG bros CG Insider podcast. Welcome to the CG Insider Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time to the podcast, a special welcome to you. In today's episode of the CG Insider, we'll be answering another great question submitted to our Ask Us Anything page at thecgbros.com by uh, Trent G. from Flathead Lake, Montana. Uh, Trent asks, why use miniatures instead of CGI? And by the end of our discussion, you'll know why miniatures are used often instead of CGI, as well as some of the history behind the creation and use of miniatures over the years. You'll also see some uh, cool examples of some notable moments using miniatures instead of CGI, and hopefully we'll be able to show you some of those too. Uh, Be sure to stay also to the end of the podcast, uh, because as we promised, uh, we'll be sharing a few of your comments that you've made on uh, some of our recent podcasts. I'm Sean Johnston, one of your hosts for this edition of the CG Insider Podcast. And I'm Bill Johnston, uh, the other host of the CG Insider podcast. And together, we are the CG Bros. You know, bro, it can be a small world sometimes, right? Absolutely. Uh, Sound like my dad. So, bro, that's a really interesting question. Why would anybody in their right mind use miniatures instead of CGI? In fact, we should be called non-CGI bros. We should be called the miniature CGI bros. Well, that's it. Or just miniature bros. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this question for the podcast, um, especially since CGI has proven uh, that it can, you know, basically recreate just about everything uh, with inc- incredible accuracy and uh, and even, you know, more cases than not, be undetectable. Um, and I, I know as kids, you know, we're very familiar with uh, miniatures, uh, miniature cars and trucks and airplanes. And I know my kid was uh, really into miniature action figures and just about anything miniature as far as toys go, we, 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 we're familiar with. I mean, min- they've got miniature houses with, you know, little miniature furniture and miniature plates inside for dolls to party in, you know. So um, sounds like a talking heads song. Oh, you know, I remember that one. Um, and you probably remember as a kid. Maybe modeling and painting that volcano out of paper mache and filling it up with baking soda and finally pouring in the orange colored vinegar only to watch this microcosm of Earth's destructive power shooting out the top. It was just glorious as a kid. I remember doing that myself. Um, it smelled so, nice too. Exactly. So, I mean, miniatures are nothing new. Uh, it made a, made a pretty nice mess as well. Yeah. Uh, so they're nothing new. You know, we're, we've been familiar with them uh, since our early age and, and uh, since the beginning of, of uh, movie making, really. Um, do you want to do you have want to talk about some of the maybe some of the basic history of uh, miniatures? Well, I'll just I'll just whack it back to you, man. What about you? What do you, what are some of your historical knowledge you can uh, send uh, send out into the universe? Well, you know, miniatures. We've we've done several podcasts on some of the techniques of the of the past and and uh, talked about some of the pioneers of CGI and past podcasts and the use of miniatures is just really one of several techniques that have been used over the years ever since movie making really got started um and uh you know they've they've basically been uh, used to uh, depict large scale things or or exaggerate scale to create 
optical illusions in the lens. And we've, we've seen uh, and showed some examples that uh, one was a trip to the moon, one of the very first uh, fantastic blockbuster films, uh, <laughs> you know, made in the early, early days. Um, and so they, they, miniatures have basically been a, been a means for uh, filmmakers um, to make the impossible possible. Right. I'd say, uh, you know, when the story that you're trying to tell calls for locations that don't exist in the world or impossible to create, right, uh, or recreate, uh, directors and producers turn to the genius of artists like ourselves. Um, the men and women have created these uh, epic, breathtaking worlds of some of the most uh, Hollywood's favorite and classic films. I mean, geez, we talked about uh, King Kong and every stop action, stop motion movie that we've we've talked about is 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 a miniature world in and it's up, uh, of itself. So uh, I think that's um, it's and it's just another art form. And I would say today uh, it's still being used a lot, uh, especially in the indie uh, fields too, because uh, unless unless of course you are trained in CGI or you you can afford to pay an artist to do that. Uh, I think that it's, it's, you can go to a model shop and you can get a, get a model yourself, uh, cars, uh, you know, uh, boats, uh, ships and airplane and airplanes. And then you can actually just uh, film those yourself and, and, and put them in wires and take a, take a, the cameras that we have today, almost up to 8k. My latest Android, uh, uh, phone is unbelievable. I mean, you can just, you can do all these things and, uh, uh, I think on a budget, it's it's very very uh, advantageous to use though those miniatures. Yeah, and they're so easily accessible. Like you said, you can just go down to your model shop and pick pick whatever model you want up, and they're they're pretty convincing. I mean, some of these larger, I mean, some of the miniature mo miniature models aren't aren't that convincing. Uh, but when you get into some of the larger scale models, I mean, over a foot, those those start to th those things start to look real when you when you start to take pictures of them and shoot them in videos. Yes. And, and another thing is too, you can, I, and I didn't know this. I mean, I, you kind of, I think I intuitively knew it because of all the, the data that's in my brain spinning around, but I mean, looking over the makings of and the behind the scenes and all those, those scenes, you can see them using these miniatures throughout history, star Wars and 2001 space odyssey, all, you know, all the, all the major blockbuster films, uh, you know, yeah. Close encounters of the third kind. I mean, Indiana Jones. I mean, all these different um, movies are using miniatures, and a lot of times they'll use these things because, um, especially today, because there's the imperfections that you see in some of these models. You can, you can, you can do that procedurally with CGI, but it's you know, let's say for example, I was looking at one of the um, uh, what uh, one of the movies recently, where they had a, uh, an actual lighthouse. And they, they built it, I don't know, maybe one third, one sixth scale, something like that. And looking at it, they did a forced perspective uh, in the in the camera and 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 they had it at the, basically at the time, um, you know, at uh, sunset. And they just did that forced perspective, um, put it right by the ocean on this platform. And I tell you, you couldn't tell the difference between that and a real one. It looked so real. And so I think a lot of the times they'll use these things because of the reality of the shot you're using, um, it, it's grounded in reality. It looks real because the lighting's exactly the way it's, it's represented in the in the shot that you're making. And I think a lot of times that has a major advantageous uh, is, is a major advantage to um, to doing it that way as opposed to doing it back in CGI and comping it together and trying to match the lighting and 
um, the models and, and just, you know, the texturing of the models and making sure it doesn't look repeating, the textures doesn't look repeated, just all those things that you have to do. Um, yes, and it's a lot easier to find uh, a miniature model maker probably than it is to find a team of CGI experts, you know, a lighting expert and a modeling expert and a texturing expert and a shading expert. Right. And, you know, a rendering expert. You, you need all the, you need a team of, of folks and that, that's pretty expensive. So, uh, you know, it, it may seem like it's, it's, it's pretty expensive to, to do a miniature shot, but it, it, it really is a lot cheaper um, unless you're reusing assets. But even then, you've, you've got to have these experts on your team to, to really make that, flesh that, that level of reality that CGI can produce, but it takes a lot of coaxing to do it. It's just not like you push the, the reality button on your renderer and, and out, out comes the most beautiful, you know, realistic image. Right, and on the flip side of that, you, 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 there, there are certain times when you want to have the CGI and the advantages of that are if, if let's say you have somebody that knows how to use it, you know, let's say you're shooting a scene with, with dinosaurs in it. Um, you can duplicate them just like they did in Jurassic Park, a, a huge flock of them. You can have them flocking around. I don't know how you do that with miniatures to make it look real. But I mean, aside from the animatronics not looking real today, I mean, I guess you can go to some of the Disney parks now and see some of the avatar stuff that looks pretty real, but you know, you're not going to get a puppet and make it look real. Um, but let's say, for example, you're you're doing a, a miniature city like uh, or a city like Blade Runners, a Blade Runner city. Um, you could just duplicate buildings and flip them around and rotate them and just make an entire city versus, you know, having somebody build that by hand would be pretty labor intensive, don't you think? Oh, I agree. I, I think it really depends. And we've mm -hmm. talked about this before, uh, you know, the, what you're going to put, you know, what the, what the shot requires, uh, if you, you know, and, and, and this is true, no matter what, you know, tools you're using, whether it's miniatures or CGI or anything like that, it just depends on what the shot requires. What does the camera need to see? And, 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 and what does the director, you know, require from the shot? That'll just dictate the approach that you take, you know, and what technique you'll use to achieve that that visual effect, if you will. Um, so a lot of effects can be achieved in camera, and, and that's really, you know, where where uh, miniatures and the art of uh, miniatures uh, is it really shines is is uh, in that in that level of, of realism. You, like you said, everything everything light, if, as long as it's it is what you see is what you get. I right. guess is, is another way to say that, and and that can be really valuable, especially when you're coming to trying to create images of of realism. Well, there was a MPC uh, moving pictures company. Uh, there was a shot or shoot department coordinator that that uh, recently said that a rule of thumb is reality will always look more real. So if it's possible to build something in in reality, it's almost certain that it'll it'll save a lot of time working in CGI because of that same shot. Um, even though that that uh, will look probably better in reality, um, CGI will, like I said before, because of the duplication process, uh, is going to be much much faster. But then again, throw it on. I'm almost contradicting myself too. Is what about all the SFX, like the smoke and the explosions and things like that? All the pyrotechnics you want to add, those can be comped in in a 2D package, you know, compositing package. Uh, for for a lot cheaper than it would cost, you know. And you can buy a lot of these libraries now with explosions and smoke and things. You can just put them in your scene, and then, like you said earlier, there's a mix going on. If you can get reality, real stuff in the shot, the miniature plus CGI, and, and kind of make it seamless that way, you get a a really good feel back and forth, don't you think? Yes, and the, and I think what you're talking about is a hybrid technique. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, we even talked about this in a recent podcast in our stop motion animation podcast, uh, where where we talked about and, and and here's a here's an image of a guy sit you know sitting in his museum that he made his miniature museum, um, and uh, here's a couple a couple cool uh, scene shots as well. But basically, they're they're using hybrid technique, Sean. That that uh, basically you you can model stuff on, the, on the, in the computer and they were we're talking about in this case it was the characters faces and their and their expressions where you actually model the objects on the computer and then you or you scan them in um, mm-hmm. using lidar or something like that um and you uh which, and the, the thing about lidar is cuz you get you get the surface properties with them and that's kind of nice but basically they they're used to create uh, you create the digital model um and then you print them out on a 3D uh, printer um, as miniatures and use those in your stop motion animations. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of new uh, recent movies like First Man. They did the same thing you're talking about, where they they uh, built the Saturn V rocket miniature and, and included that supporting structure called the gantry and uh, built that at the one thirteenth scale, um, which meant it was about fourteen feet tall. I, I think uh, a lot of a lot of uh, um, uh, a lot of movies now are doing that. They're they're printing these parts, like you said. They're using blueprints and photographs uh, off the internet, or you know, from NASA, for example. And then they've got these cheap computer uh, printers, or I should say, three D printers, and they're printing these pieces off. And they're, in fact, they're a lot of them are using you know laser cut pieces, so you can um, you know create tubes and um, like the shape of the rocket, you know, from PVC piping and. Uh, a lot of those things can be like uh, what they call greebles. You can make a bunch of greebles. You can get kit bashing kits. Go to the, go to the uh, store and get a, a modeling kit and get a bunch of those extra pieces and just start gluing them on things. And it just looks real. It looks real because it is real. Yeah. There was speaking of that. Here's a shot from uh, the Mandalorian uh, uh, program, and it's basically it talks about it basically doing what you're talking about. They actually print out. Uh, 3D models from from and those here's an example of those 3D models actually modeled in in in, uh, in a software package and printed out um, and they printed out those parts and assembled it and they um, here's here's actually uh, what it looks like in a 3D view and uh, this is uh, kind of one of the composites final shots using the actual uh, model itself and here's kind of some some reflection testing using some some virtual screens. That they used, and uh, it's pretty amazing technique, and it's, it kind of illustrates the hybrid technique you're referring to uh, earlier, where they are actually just using, uh, you know, the the, the miniatures uh, alongside, say, motion control cameras. Uh, and in this case, this is kind of what this video is showing here uh, on the Mandalorian, where you're actually seeing the motion control cameras with the uh, model on a, tr- a rail, and you can kind of see how that how that looks there captured. And they actually just map, put that, uh, you know, match do a camera match with that with a CG background like that. And put a star field in the background and a planet, and you've got a nice, night. Uh, I mean, ultra realistic. And, and that's the nice thing about it. Here's an example of the of the parts actually getting 3D printed. Um, you just print the parts out and pull them out of your 3D. And anybody can do this. That's the nice thing about this. I mean, if you were looking to do it yourself, I mean, 3D printers you can get one as as cheap as 250 bucks, that, and it makes some really nice uh, printable parts. And you just kind of uh, Glue them together, create your model, uh, do your photography. You can actually add foil, and this you can see right there. He's adding uh, gold leaf and, and aluminum, and and putting in little lights, and, and you know basically sculpting, sculpting the uh, the heck out of it until you got a, a beautiful uh, miniature. Yeah, look at the uh, the dirt you can get there, and in, in the in the actual crevices of the of the model itself, and the imperfections. Uh, it, that's that's what I'm saying. It was it, a lot of times the the 
acquiring the kind of image that you want as a director is is hard to achieve with CGI. And, and you know, you, the things you get with uh, reality is these artifacts, these imperfections that are in, in real reality. And so it's it's a lot of times there's more advantageous to, to use a real model. Uh, you know, what's interesting is I didn't realize that um, in one of my, in fact, I have a, 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 a scene that from, from the dark Knight that I didn't realize, remember we talked about Christopher Nolan and how he likes to use, he likes to use practical effects as much as possible because, uh, and the only time he really wants to go to CGI is things that he, obviously he can't, you can't do in reality. For example, in, in, um, inception when the whole entire city is bending over on it onto itself, uh, even then, it's, they're still using other effects uh, on there and some real, probably some pro- uh, practical stuff in there as well. But the uh, you happen to have a clip of the Dark Knight? Uh, yeah, are you playing it right now? Or is that me? I am actually. No, that's me. I didn't know if you wanted to show. Well, it yeah, I was going to show. I was going to show this behind the scenes. This particular scene, uh, uh, I didn't realize that this scene here with the dump truck underneath the uh, underpass was actually not a full-scale model um i knew it was real because of of just the visceralness of the of the scene the it it looks too real i mean you can tell that's the thing about cgi bro if you look at it you'll see the perfection of it the imperfections that you don't see in this shot it's almost it's almost ultra real that's the problem with hyper real yes hyper real there you go i mean you have to really dirty it down and 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 just add so much to this you know to add reality to it just add dirt dirt and dust and leaves and papers and and well, the world is a grimy place it is it is and um so th- so that's what i think uh i was really impressed with how they made this scene uh uh it's it's pretty impressive um and then of course they they shot it at, at super high speed so you can slow it down and then it just it looks real and with sound effects i'm telling you man i was like wow they really did that how did they do that i, I was asking myself that that's crazy you know, another really great uh, example uh, that I, I like is this effect from uh, this uh, effect from True Lies. And it's a couple, couple uh, they look like Harriers. Uh, basically, uh, the terrorist is on the one of the, the bridge at the Coronado, or not the Keys, but the, the Florida Keys. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, basically seven, on the Seven Mile Bridge, actually, I think is what it's called. And that's uh, that whole sequence right there was uh, done with miniatures. Not that one, of course. <laughs> But, so how how hard it is it is it to do like let's say a, a building falling down or something smashing into a building you know simulating that versus doing a miniature and building it together and then and then you know blowing it up or throwing something at it launching something at it. Well, one of the disadvantages of of, of doing it practically is you know you get one take. If it doesn't work, you have to rebuild the model and uh, you know reshoot the whole thing. So you hopefully you'll get it in the first first go. But you know to. To get a really good-looking uh, CGI simulation of destruction, uh, it's getting easier these days, and, and there's some really great advances made in that in that direction. But like I said, you still need those experts, and to, to do it practically, um, you, what you you get it all in camera, and as uh, hopefully if you can get that, that's really what the directors I think are really looking for, particularly if it really sells the sells the the, the storyline, you know? Yes. And some of the recent films like Shutter Island, they they uh, built and digitally composited uh, miniatures for their shots for the the asylum exterior. I didn't realize it looked real when I first saw it. And I think that's part of the beauty of miniatures versus CGI is that it, again, I'm going to say it, it looks real because it is real. 
right? You know, most of the people, a lot of people, when they saw the, the, the you know, start, watch the Star Wars Phantom Menace, they thought that, that the pod racing stadium or, and everything else in that movie uh, was, were, was CGI. When most of, a lot of it, uh, and most of it actually, at least in the, as far as the pod racing scene was, was uh, uh, miniatures. As a matter of fact, the most miniatures ever, ever created for a Star Wars movie was the Phantom Menace. And it was pretty funny that everybody thought it was CGI. As a matter of fact, the crowd that's in that stadium is made up of colored Q-tips. Yes, and a little wind, yeah, exactly. <laughs> brushing it and making it look like a, you know, they're they're undulating and there's this huge crowd. In fact, I think they in some of the stairs that are that are next to those Q-tips are like little Star Wars models from from uh, you know that you can collectors items, which I think are just kind of standing there. It's actually pretty pretty funny if you look at it. Go check yeah, it out yeah. on the internet. Uh, definitely. Uh, here's a, another one I'd like to go ahead and uh, show since we're talking about uh, some realistic. I don't know if you remember the movie uh, Titanic. Uh, I don't. I never saw that one. No, no. That was King a of the world film. Uh, yeah, I did. But there's a, there's a scene in here um, that shows the breaking of the actual ship. And, and this was actually a miniature as well. And it, it was, it was like, oh gosh, was I think it was a uh, 120th scale miniature of the t actual Titanic. Um, used for these shots, uh, and uh, this miniature, this particular miniature, was the most detailed, the most accurate uh, replica of any ship at the time. Um, and I think this whole model was something like 40, 45 or forty-four, forty-five feet long. Wow! They split that thing right over the water. That's that's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. I, I think one of my my favorite scenes, uh, in addition to everything else I, we've talked about, is some of the of World of Worlds. Uh, uh, there's a there's a I don't know if you remember the the car that there's a car carrying um, a boat or something a, a river crossing ferry basically in that sequence where uh, the um, machine comes out of the water and um, right next to it and it just kind of flips it over that that uh that that actually that that boat was a miniature which was a, an eighth scale miniature. Um, and they had 12 one eighth scale cars and they were sliding on top onto the water. Um, so that was like a 20, 21 and a half foot, um, long and five foot wide ferry model. And that was shot for that particular scene, which I thought was really, really neat how they did it. And then they did, uh, for the underwater shots, they actually added denser smoke, uh, smoke around it. So it looked like it was underground or underwater. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty amazing. And then the other church scene, um, uh, the other one I can show you also is this one here is the world of worlds scene that I thought was probably the most impressive was the, uh, when the actual bridges behind them were starting to get, you know, zapped, um, by the, yeah, that was pretty, by pretty the machines. Yeah. I mean, this, this was really amazing when hitting, hitting those, the bridge and then blasting those, uh, semi trucks and those semi trucks falling onto the houses behind them. Those are, those are miniatures. So I, th I thought that scene, when you can see at the very end here, right when it starts coming, yeah, when he's driving away and you see that whole thing being destroyed. Look at that. I mean, that looked to me, that looks so real to me. Uh, just really, really well done on that on that scene. That is really an incredible uh, scene. I forgot those were minute. That was a miniature. Yeah. So pretty, pretty amazing. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, I have to tell you. Uh, you know, I have. You know, we talked about. Uh, you know, the, you you mentioned the rule of thumb about. Um, you know, if you can make it look more real, or or it, it's if you actually shoot it in real, it which you you know, it looks, this looks more real. If it is real, it it looks real. Yeah, if it looks real, um, it is real. Okay. <laughs> well, you know that's and that's that's. 
kind of our mantra as well. Uh, but you know, I, I'd like to kind of chime in with the, something um, Pixar's John Lasseter agrees with us on. Uh, oh. Yeah, when he says, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase him here, he says, uh, it doesn't matter what medium you ultimately work in or what software you end up using. What really matters is how you use the software or medium that you have access to to tell the story. Um, and uh, he finishes off to say that if, if we, the viewers, don't believe in the story, then all the best effects, camera work, and smoke and mirror tricks are useless. And, and uh, so I'm glad he agrees with us on that. That's, that's, that really pumps me up. Yeah, I, I agree with him. Well, let's go ahead and uh, jump into the mailbag uh, this week. All right. Um, yeah, so this uh, comment is from Boyd D. Explorer. And this is from our podcast on what are some of your favorite CGI creatures, which actually got quite a, quite a nice response from, the, from, from you guys out there. So thank you for that. Uh, Boyd Explorer says, nice upload. Interesting to watch. Keep up the good work. Fully watched. Thanks, Boyd, the Explorer. And we appreciate, uh, we've noticed, we've seen you actually uh, leave a couple comments. So thank you. I love that he, he wrote in there, fully watched. I like it. So watch the entire thing. I think that's that's that says a lot of how good that was. I, I enjoyed that one. Those are my favorite ones. Uh, this one also, Chardonhand, uh says, such a long list from the first CGI Xenomorph in the underwater scene of Alien Resurrection to the Cloverfield monsters to the living machines of the Bay Transformer films, the beautiful Griffin of the Harry Potter film. Then for games that hold a special place in my heart, there's the Locust faction of the Gears of War. I love Gears of War. It's one of my favorite games. Uh, the Titanic Midgard serpent from God of War. Uh, the nightmarish thing from the criminally underrated thing prequel film. Ah, that's great. Exactly. And the Ents, Schmog, Azog, and Schmeagle of the Lord of the Rings films. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Uh, Grendel from Beowulf. I liked Grendel. I loved his ear and screaming and ripping people apart. That was awesome. Uh, let's see. The Three Horns from the third Appleseed anime and the new uh, American Godzilla films. I love those. Yes, of course. Um, so much history. But if I had to choose a single favorite creature, it would be the practical effects of the Predator easily. Uh, I, I, I agree. We, I agree. Uh, I I think we showed uh, some of those in, in some past podcasts. I know we, we, we showed Grendel from Beowulf. I, I believe that's Stan Winston also from his effects uh, uh, studio to the Predator. And, and we, I think we showed prequel for the Thing effects as well. Uh, we did. We did. But uh, those are great effects. You know, we can't mention them all, Chardonhand, and uh, we, we wish we could. And we could, we could actually do 20 uh, podcasts on all the great creatures that there are. So, you know, maybe we should expand the podcast. Too. We should. To, you know, to, to include some uh, some more of that great content uh, as well, uh, we got another great uh, comment also from uh, our podcast on what are some of your favorite CGI creatures uh, from Talicus. And thank you, Talicus. Uh, we we do see that you are an avid commenter, and and we really appreciate it. And Talicus says, in terms of uh, creature design, the dinosaurs of Peter Jackson's King Kong are the best ever, better than Jurassic Park. Yes, I dare say it. Sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> Tal Sacrilege. Talicus, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Well, thanks again for being part of our podcast today, and we want to let you know that we do them just for you. Uh, we really had a great time answering Trent's question, uh, why use miniatures instead of CGI. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation and hope that you learned something you didn't know along the way as well. And if you did, please help us out by sharing it with some of your friends. Um, as well as click that like button because it really helps our channel uh, by assisting YouTube to find other people who are interested in this kind of content as well, like you are. 
By the way, if you've got a subject that you'd like us to discuss in one of our podcasts, let us know about it by going to our website, thecgrose.com, to the About Us tab, and then on the Ask Us Anything dropdown, just like Trent did. We're always looking to improve our podcast. Uh, we do them one shot at a time with no edits, and we would like to know what you think. So please leave us a comment below. And if you do, no guarantees, but we may even read your read it uh, during our next podcast. Yeah, kind of like we did today. And in case you didn't know, we bring you a, a new edition of the CG Insider right here every week, where we discuss things having to do with uh, computer graphics, uh, CGI animation and digital VFX, as well as other uh, cool, related, and interesting topics that come to our mind. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel as well for your front row seat for some amazing and often heartwarming uh, state-of-the-art CGI short film entertainment. Um, and some pretty cool VFX breakdowns and behind-the-scenes making ofs as well. So, um, you know, they're created by some of the most talented new media producers and VFX studios out there today. We'd love to see you here again for next week's podcast where we'll be answering another great fan question. How is lip-syncing animation created? See you next week. Bye. Well, that's it for today. We sure hope you've enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, why use miniatures instead of CGI? Thanks for being with us. If you watched us on YouTube and you enjoyed the experience, please give us a thumbs up. Be sure to leave a comment too, because we might share it on a future broadcast and mention you by name. Also, please share the video with your friends on social media. If you're not yet following us on our channel, please hit the subscribe button. Subscribing is free and ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. If you're listening to us on our audio-only version, please leave a comment. Oh, and uh, don't forget to tell all your friends that they too can enjoy the audio-only version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. If you're listening to us on Spotify, you can share the podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. Learn more about us by going to our website, thecgbros.com, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. And be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, how is lip-syncing animation created? This has been episode 2217 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.